time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Friday, July 31st, 2020. Happy Friday to everybody. Can't believe it's the last day of July here in the crazy year that is 2020. I do want to say a quick happy birthday to my good friend, Bill Ritter, July 31st. He should be 35 years old today, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Bill was a great high school teammate of mine uh, growing up at Real Hondo Prep. One of the best basketball players I've ever played with and I've ever seen, really. Uh, pound for pound, you know, there's a lot of great college athletes, a lot of great uh, NBA players and such. But uh, Bill really was a very good teammate, a very good basketball player. One of those guys that was definitely uh, got the most out of all of his talent and someone I think that could uh, teach a lot of kids these days in, in basketball. He's a basketball coach or has been in the in the recent past. He currently lives up in Portland, Oregon, so hope he's uh, staying safe up there with all the craziness and everything. But happy birthday to my good friend, Bill Ritter. Uh, speaking of coaches, today on the program, we will be joined by Aaron Reichenberg. He is a high school basketball coach at La Habra High School here in Orange County in Southern California. We were actually classmates at Cal State Fullerton our senior year. Uh, actually, he and his now wife, Shelly, uh, they were, uh, we were all in this class of about 25 people or so, and it was communications 400 something. It was, it was the final class basically of our senior year. We you, where you took everything you kind of learned and put it together and had to do these big like semester long group project and everything. Well, it was me and Aaron, his girlfriend at the time is now wife, Shelly, uh, and two other young ladies. And we really became good friends. The five of us uh, working together, uh, doing all these projects uh, for our class. And I was very worried at first because I'm not really a group type of guy, especially in school, but I was so glad that I had the opportunity to work with each and every one of them. Uh, the other two were, were Robin and Sarah, and it was a great time. But me and Aaron were the, obviously the only two boys, two, only two men in the group, and we really meshed together well. We both had a love of sport. And who knew that you know, just those couple of months together in a uh, random college class, uh, our final senior project course basically uh, would lead to us being good friends. And it's been great to see him uh, in his career path, getting involved in teaching, getting involved in coaching basketball. I know it's something he's very passionate about. So I can't wait for you guys to hear what Aaron had to say when we caught up a, a few days ago. He's doing great things in basketball. He really is. Um, he has a way of, he's very passionate about it. He's He does a good job. He's very details oriented. I, I've watched him from afar. Haven't been to a game yet, but it's fun that we, we exchange messages here and there. Uh, I know his wife, Shelly, is uh, very supportive of him. Um, she's doing great things in her career as well uh, in, as far as academic advising. I think I, I think I said that right. I hope I did, Shelly. If I didn't, I apologize. But anyway, we'll hope to talk to you very soon as well. Uh, congrats to the Reichenbergs on uh, the a new addition to the family in May. But we'll talk about that 
uh, with Aaron here in the upcoming interview. Uh, it's a lot of fun, a lot of college, excuse me, a lot of high school basketball talk, a lot of talk about sports and just a great time catching up. So we will get to that interview with Aaron Reichenberg here very shortly. It is Friday, guys, and you know that on the previous couple of Fridays, we've started a new segment called Suds with Studs. And basically, it's a segment I came up with, and if, if you think the name is a little corny, well, hey, that, that's uh, no problem. All the power to you. Uh, I was trying to come up with something. I've been brainstorming, and those of you who know uh, me and who know this podcast, who have been listening a long time, you know that I've, I've tried a few different things. Some things have worked out, some things I've uh, you know moved on from, but I really like this segment, Suds with Studs. Uh, it basically is, I, I try to bring up somebody, talk about somebody that is usually in the military, maybe law enforcement. We started off with a couple of uh, Medal of Honor winners, and basically it's just a way on Fridays to think about someone who's done some amazing things. Uh, pay tribute to some of the heroes that are are out there in our in our history and out there today uh, in, in a present day have done just some amazing things. And the reason we call it Suds with Studs is because I would absolutely love if it were possible to sit down and have a beer with this person. And a lot a lot of the people we brought up uh, were people that were killed in action or. Uh, they were, you know, have passed on because some of their stories are from a long time ago. But that's how we come up with Suds with Studs. That is our Friday segment, and we will get to that uh, right before the interview with Aaron Reichenberg. But first, I have a, an initial thought uh, today. And, and as you guys know, I kind of, the way things have been going for me is on this podcast, I, I basically introduce, say hello, give you a kind of a rundown and outline of things, and then kind of give. Uh, it could be five minutes. It could be 10 minutes. Sometimes it's been 20 minutes. And it's basically just my little my little rant, my little two cents, if you will. Uh, one of our previous guests called it uh, the soapbox segment. So I thought that was pretty funny too. Uh, but but this is just kind of my thought this morning. Uh, have, have you ever, have you guys ever uh, dated someone? Maybe probably for a long time, you know, you, you've given of yourself, you've, um, you've loved them. You have, uh, that's, they're all you thought about at times. You were extremely loyal to them. You had maybe some long-term plans with them. You maybe look back at some of the previous moments with them and have just, uh, their memories that you just cherish forever. Um, you, you, you're looking forward with them. You always have them on your mind. Uh, that true love, right? Loving someone with all your heart, not that initial crush phase, but that next step along the way where it's just like, okay, there's an attractiveness. Okay. Now there's a crush. Okay. Now I like this person. Then you have an opportunity to date them, maybe invest some time in them, um, just court them. And maybe it leads to marriage. Maybe it doesn't, but you're, uh, interaction with them is just basically a love story. And maybe it goes on a long time and maybe they've had some flaws, uh, like we all do. And there are flaws that, you know, aren't that, aren't that bad. They're, they're very few. And so you look at the big picture and you're like, you know what? Um, 90 plus percent of the person is, uh, is, is right there for me. It's, it's everything I want. It's everything I desire. Um, you know what? Yeah, there's some flaws, but the big, the greater joy this person gives in me is something that is, uh, so much more important to me. Well, then down the road, maybe it's a couple years, maybe it's 20 years. Hopefully it's not a marriage, but you reach a point where 
you maybe grow apart. Maybe there's some more things that bother you. Maybe there's a few flaws that uh, come out as a little bit bigger. Maybe there's new flaws that come up and maybe the things that you used to love uh, aren't so uh, apparent anymore. They, are, they aren't so um, in, the, in the room, aren't so much in the picture anymore. Uh, maybe you are hurting more by some of the things you see and experience with them. I'm assuming other people have kind of gone through these feelings, through these thoughts. And the reason I'm bringing all this up is this is kind of how I feel my relationship with sports is right now. Sports has been there with me my entire life. It's been the one thing I've been attracted to at all times. I've had an interest in sports from a very young age. Uh, I, I, I couldn't get it out of my mind. I loved playing it. I loved coaching it. I absolutely loved refereeing. It. I loved all the different challenges. I loved the different variety of sports. I got something different out of football than I do baseball, than I do basketball. It was just this constant love and passion that I have had in my 35 years of life for sports. It could be professional sports, could be college sports, even high school sports. I have always loved competition. I've always loved random games in the middle of the week. I've, I've loved all the championship games, the drama, the um, sometimes controversy. I've loved all those things because in the big picture, the flaws were few and far between. The joy that I received from sports, that sports has always done for me uh, in my lifetime. It's always been there. When I've had a rough day, I've had sports. I've had all of that. Well, much like a relationship that maybe you invest in more than the other person does, much like a relationship where maybe you care more than the other person does. Much like a relationship where you love the person and they don't love you back the way you would like them to love you. That is how I currently feel about sports. I love sports. I can't just turn it off right away. Uh, I can't turn off my, um, my enthusiasm for it. It's hard. But with everything that's been going on, these past few months and kind of what I've seen the past few weeks, I'm at a very uh, conflicting crossroads. I never thought sports, anything would separate me from sports. I, I, I never did. And there are some issues going on right now where sports has really taken some steps that I never thought they would. And if we want to get into a debate or a discussion or whatever about some of the things that are going on, you know, what they stand for, what they mean, um, that day will come, but I feel like somebody who's in a relationship and kind of doesn't know where to go. And I think we've all been in that position at some point in our life. If you've lived long enough and you have dated, I haven't dated a ton, but I think for the most people, for the most part, people who, who date somebody, things are good and there's sometimes there's some bad things, but Towards the end, you really start to think about, hmm, it is where where do we where do you see us going forward? And that's where I'm at with sports right now. Uh, I'm not going to talk about anything specific, any league specific. I think you guys kind of know where I stand on things. Um, I will definitely be getting into it later on 
but I don't want to take anything away from any of the guests that I have, um, from any of the interviews I have. I There will be a time and a place where I get into things from more details about some of my feelings right now regarding sports, regarding uh, current events, regarding everything that's going on. It's been a crazy year. Um, I got accused actually by <laughs> someone I, I used to date uh, many years ago that I loved sports too much. Uh, that it was too important to me. And I could understand that <laughs> at the time because my life has revolved around it. And I'm not saying I am breaking up with sports, but I, I am saying that uh, much like a couple who maybe sees some writing on the wall, maybe needs some counseling together, maybe needs to sort some things out or just make a decision that, hey, I think it's best that we move on from each other. That is where I'm at with sports these days. And I never, ever, 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 ever thought it would come to this. I, I just never did. So uh, we have a huge sports fan on the show today in Aaron Reichenberg. Uh, we're going to talk some sports today. I will continue to talk about sports. I don't want to just say, hey, I'm done with it altogether. But if I'm being honest today, Friday morning, July 31st, 2020, that's kind of where I'm at. And maybe, maybe sometimes, you know, in, in our lives, we, we do need just some moments or some motivation that kind of pushes us or nudges us along. Be like, you know what? Maybe it's time for some other things. Maybe it's time for some, some bigger things in your life. I don't know. Uh, I love sports. I, I, I'm not uh, giving up on them, but I am expressing to you guys that where I am at today, that uh, I, I do feel like someone who's struggling in a relationship with it and uh, am not quite sure what to do. So I don't know if that analogy works for you guys or not, but that's where I'm at today. And I just want to express that. Um, but that said, let's not uh, get away or get too controversial or anything like that. Let's just, let's have a good show today. Let's, uh, we got a great interview with, with a great friend and a killer basketball coach uh, doing amazing things. Uh, at uh, La Habra High School in Aaron Reichenberg. We also have a great Suds with Studs segment coming up here. So I've said my piece. I got it off my chest, guys, this morning. I'll take another sip of coffee here and, and take a breather if I can. But uh, in in not always knowing what you want to talk about in the mornings in this opening segment I have, um, you know, it, sometimes I just try to speak my heart, and it doesn't always come out as clearly as I'd like. But uh, it is what it is, and I wanted you guys to try to hear me out this morning regarding my uh, struggling relationship with uh, with sports. So <laughs> we will move forward as we often do, and uh, we will get right to our Suds with Studs segment here. Since it is Friday, let's not waste any more time. We will take a quick break, then we will get into our Suds with Studs. So that's hard to say suds with studs segment. And then after that, we will go right into the interview with Aaron Reichenberg. So guys sit back and relax and enjoy today on this uh, Friday show. And we look forward to uh, having you with us. So thank you for being here. Well, Fridays are very special here at the Get Home Safe podcast. At least the p previous six have been. Today is our seventh time doing the segment Suds with Studs. We talked a little bit about it in our introduction today, but we will just kind of uh, continue in our in our discussion here and kind of our explanation. Uh, these are all 
heroes that we talk about on Fridays in this segment, uh, people that we would love to have a beer with, and that you can absolutely be certain that we would be buying if it were at, if it were at all possible. So this is kind of a segment on Fridays, an opportunity to, uh, since we kind of can't have a beer with some of these people because they've passed on or were killed in combat, um, that you know what, it's just a, a small way to honor them and have a conversation to kind of discuss some of their uh, their very heroic actions and just uh, really focus on what true courage is about. Uh, this is our seventh time doing this. We've had six previous uh, men that we have discussed in our previous uh, Fridays. Uh, those six men were William Harvey Carney, William Kyle Carpenter, Randy Shugart, and Gary Gordon. That was a two for one. And then we also had Mike Murphy, Robert O'Neill and Pat Tillman. Those are some of the names that we've discussed in previous weeks. Uh, I'm sure some of you recognize some of those names, and I don't know if everyone has heard the previous episodes uh, on Fridays or kind of when everybody listens, but I will say we try to talk about each of those individuals on a Friday segment, the previous uh, six weeks anyway, and uh, just an opportunity really to pay tribute to some of the great things they have done. I do want to encourage you though, if you know, you hear some of these names or you hear something you kind of like about some of these people and what's not to like really with some of the, the stories and everything. I encourage you go look at into their story a little bit more. You know, we all know, I think who most people know who Pat Tillman is. I think a lot of people know who Mike Murphy is, uh, but there are some names that maybe you haven't heard before. And again, that's the goal of this segment that we've been doing. Anyway, let's get right into it. One of the different, uh, I guess, avenues I use, I try to utilize regarding some of the information about some of these uh, brave individuals is through different Facebook pages. And, you know, I, I encourage people to follow certain Facebook pages because there's so much negativity out there these days. And I can honestly say that uh, one that I really look at a lot of is Task and Purpose. It's a great Facebook page. Uh, it launched in 2014 and it is uh, goal is to provide authentic and unfiltered perspectives on military and veteran issues in the post 9-11 era. So I get some great reads in uh, in that Facebook page. There's plenty of other ones, uh, too many to name right now. But I did want to mention the Task and Purpose Facebook page because a lot of the information from today's uh, person we're talking about is from the Task and Purpose website in discussing kind of the... Um, the, the story really some of the information about uh, today's uh, the person we're talking about today uh, we have another another medal of honor winner uh, that we're going to discuss today and you know uh, just a little backstory I was you never know where, where things are going to pop up right I was sitting actually watching TV with my dad uh, we were in uh, <laughs> in Arizona and we don't have many channels channels there and we were just one of the channels was on and it was this western and I didn't think much of it. And my dad was like, yeah, that's Audie Murphy. And I knew the name kind of, but I didn't know the backstory really. And it was this, this typical actor, you know, looked like from movies in the 50s or something. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, yeah. And he said, yeah, he's a, he's a Medal of Honor winner. And I was like, what? Really? A, a, a Hollywood uh, actor, a Medal of Honor winner. That is, uh, you know... <laughs> I don't think you'd see that in today's world. Uh, <laughs> I know there have been some Hollywood elite, we'll say, who have had military history, um, military service, I should say. And uh, th those are some special people. A lot of them are very uh, humble and don't really talk about it much. But anyway, uh, today's uh, Suds with Studs segment, will be we will be discussing Audie Murphy, who was an actor. He had a 21-year 
acting career after he got out of the military. But a couple things that are really special about Audie Murphy is that he enlisted in the army when he was 16 years old. It was shortly after Pearl Harbor. Um, he, his father kind of abandoned him at a young age and his mother died when he was 16 and then Pearl Harbor happened. Uh, so he joined the army. He actually had to have his sister, uh, kind of forge or falsify some documentation for this young man to, to join the army. So, uh, that really shows you the type of person he was at a very young age who was just ready to really dive in and, and help and, uh, do everything he could, uh, to, uh, contribute to, to the country that he loved. Uh, he first saw action in 1943 in the invasion of Sicily. Uh, in 1944, he participated in the battle of Anzio, which is, was a liberation of Rome. Uh, one thing I think I mentioned, not only is he a medal of honor winner, but he is, uh, the most decorated, uh, or the most decorated American combat soldier of World War II. And uh, the, <laughs> I know, and I read that, I was like, wait, what? What is that? Excuse me? <laughs> say, say that again? Um, he, try, there's so much information here. I'm trying to, uh, to write it all down. But uh, Murphy uh, received every single U.S. military combat award for valor available from the U.S. Army for his service in World War II. So we're talking about somebody who is just just an incredibly amazing soldier uh and you know when we talk about guys some of these guys you know what some if someone is really wants to like look at someone else someone's history or look into their lives like i said i talk about people who just love negativity and stuff you know what this was a person who i'm sure uh, was was not perfect um but neither none of us are but none of us can ever uh, compared to some of his amazing uh, heroism and courage that he, uh, he, uh, man, I mean, I can, I'm at a loss for words even talking about this, but like, uh, I'll go into his citation here for the Medal of Honor in a second, but there's just so many uh, stories to discuss about him. I mean, uh, he was, he was uh, someone that uh, he, he just, he went through some really, crazy times where you're kind of like i don't know how he survived that like in some of his readings i really encourage a lot of you uh, you guys to go in and look look up this person because some amazing stories you know i think he was known for an actor for his 21 year career as an actor but uh man what what an amazing soldier and just an incredible uh example of of bravery and, and heroism uh, i want to read this from the task of purpose so bear with me. I will. Uh, I think this will kind of sum up the type of person that Audie Murphy was. On January 26, 1945, the most decorated U.S. service member of World War II earned his legacy in a fiery fashion. Audie Murphy, then a second lieutenant commanding Company B of the 1st Battalion, 15th Infantry Regiment, 3rd Infantry Division, found himself surrounded by six German tanks and wave after wave of enemy infantry while fighting in Holzweer, France. <laughs> Excuse me. Rather than retreat with his men, Murphy made a gutsy decision. He ordered his soldiers to withdraw to the cover of nearby forest and set up the artillery while he remained at his forward command post to direct their fire. Things quickly took a turn for the worse. A nearby Allied tank destroyer burst into flames, following a direct hit from an enemy tank, its crew fleeing to the woods and leaving Murphy alone. 
But Murphy didn't shrink from the oncoming onslaught of the German armor. Instead, he mounted the burning tank destroyer and took on wave after wave of German infantry with nothing more than the vehicle's 50 caliber machine gun and superhuman determination. This is from his Medal of Honor citation. With the enemy tanks a beast of his p- p- excuse me <laughs> abreast of his possession pos- one more time with the enemy tanks abreast of his position, Second Lieutenant Murphy climbed on the burning tank destroyer, which was in danger of blowing up at any time, and employed its 50 caliber machine gun against the enemy. He was alone and exposed to German fire from all three sides, but his deadly fire killed dozens of Germans and caused their infantry attack to waver. The enemy tanks losing infantry support began to fall back. For an hour, the Germans tried every available weapon to eliminate Second Lieutenant Murphy, but he continued to hold his position and wiped out a squad which was trying to creep up unnoticed on his right flank. Germans reached as close as 10 yards only to be mowed down by his fire. He received a leg wound, but ignored it and continued the single-handed fight until his ammunition was exhausted. He then made his way to his company, refused medical attention, and organized the country, excuse me, and organized the company in a counterattack which forced Germans to withdraw. His directing of artillery fire wiped out many of the enemy. He killed or wounded about 50. Second Lieutenant Murphy's indomitable courage and his refusal to give an inch of ground saved his company from possible encirclement and destruction and enabled to hold the woods, which had been the enemy's objection. The citation reads, His bravery earned his him a spot in the books as one of the most highly decorated heroes in U.S. military history and set a new standard of courage under fire in the process. Well, that is a little information about Audie Murphy. There's another story in here uh, about uh, a time in France, I believe, where the Germans uh, attempted to, uh, pretended, we'll say, to surrender. Uh, Murphy's best friend um, tried to step forward and, and honor that request. They were faking it and they killed his best friend and that sent Murphy into a rage. He took out a lot of people. Um, anyway, uh, Murphy also had, you know, some some of the early signs of what would uh, come to be known as uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Again, at that time, it was just kind of known as, you know, shell shock or battle fatigue. And there's uh, plenty of soldiers, I'm sure, in many different battles who have uh, many of uh, those experiences as well. So he was a very started to be uh, more outspoken about those things because he knew what uh, you know him and his other fellow soldiers were going through. Well, uh, Audie Leon Murphy uh, passed away in May 28th of 1971. Unfortunately, he died in a plane crash. He was only 45 years old. So with all the battles, with all the violence, with all the uh, bravery and courage and, and just uh, heroic uh, experiences, he went through in World War II. It was unfortunately a plane crash that killed him after uh, you know a very successful movie and acting career. So I, I rambled a little bit there, guys, but I did want to tell you guys about somebody that I recently heard about from my dad, and I kind of looked him up, wanted to get some information on him, and I did want to share with you that uh, he was someone who joined at 16, had to falsify some documents, and uh, you know, with some of these, some of these battles and his, uh, 
his awards that he he achieved and everything. He was very young. I mean, he was 19 for some of the most significant moments. And I just wanted to share all that with you. Please read up on Audie Murphy uh, again. We don't know. Uh, I, I don't know about all of his uh, his. Uh, we'll say past all of his uh, the things that go around him and everything but i did want to uh, express to you guys uh what a special person what an amazing hero uh someone that i think we can all uh respect and look to as a as a just another one of many examples as to what makes this country great the type of people that have come before us and i'm sure there will be plenty more people like that uh as we move forward in our lives in the very near future so mr audie murphy it's not possible, but if it were, I would love to sit down and have a beer with you, and you would absolutely uh, be assured that I would be buying, sir. So thank you for your service. Cheers to you, and uh, God bless uh, your family and uh, the, the, many, the many other men and women who are just like you uh, in, in our country. And we look forward to hearing uh, more stories like that in our weekly segment on Fridays, Suds with Studs. Okay, joining us today on the program is a good friend of mine. Haven't talked to him in a long time. We actually went to college together. Our senior year is when we met back in 2008. I can't believe it's been 12 years ago already. Aaron Reichenberg joins us today. He is the head basketball coach at La Habra High School. He also teaches there, a big sports guy. So we got a lot of catching up to do and not sure how much time we have, but let's get right to it. Joining us from Orange County today is... Aaron Reichenberg, welcome to the program, my friend. Hey, thank you for having me, man. It's been, it's been a while. I know we've stayed in touch via text, but it's, it's just nice to see your face and uh, catch up a little bit. Oh, same here, my friend. Man, you know, it's been, it's been a long time, as we mentioned. And, you know, Aaron, you try to stay in touch with people. It's easier with technology these days. But I think during this lockdown, quarantine, it's really been beneficial to just talk to people you haven't talked to in a long time, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we're just you know, going to come out of this with so many new uh, ways of living. I mean, I know we've had some really effective meetings with my team, um, found, you know, found that booster meetings now I'll, I'll be able to do from, from home instead of staying on campus till seven at night, uh, you know, uh, and, and more parents were able to attend those. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, as, as big of a, uh, bummer all of this has been, and, and bummer is an understatement, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's some, there's some good that's going to come out of it. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And, uh, you know, the future is bright, eh? I hope anyway. We'll see. <laughs> but anyway, Aaron, let's talk about when you and I met. I was a senior in, in college and just kind of going through the motions, trying to get through at Cal State Fullerton, was a communications major. I was going to kind of go into sports journalism or something like that. That was the goal. And I ran into this class. It was about 25 of us, small class, but it was a class that pretty much, to sum it up, was the final class. It, it, it took everything that we had learned over the years in this major and put it all into practice. And I, I found out on day one that this was going to be a very group oriented class. And I was never into that kind of stuff. So I was like, Oh boy. And so we paired off into groups and we were actually paired up in the same group. It was me and you and three other girls. One of them is now your wife. And then uh, two other young ladies, uh, Robin, and Sarah, but uh, your wife, Shelly, she was there with us, uh, you know, back then. So good times, some early memories of uh, you and I interacting. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it, it was, uh, 
you know, I, I obviously was dating my, my wife at the time and then really enjoyed uh, her company, but, um, you know, definitely needed a, a break, uh, with, where you and I could bond and talk about sports as, as the, you know, five of us were always meeting and, uh, and, you know, at that point in our college careers, it was definitely, uh, always looking for breaks, mm-hmm. um, cause we were, we were ready to wrap it on up. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, um, a, a nice match and, a, and some great memories. I have a funny story, if you remember this, of how that all came to be. So in the class, we all had to get up and kind of talk about ourselves, which I hate doing. And we had to have like a visual aid of some kind. Like, so everyone kind of knew. And then we had like a draft, if you will. People paired each other up. Uh, you know, you and Shelly were obviously going to be uh, members of the group together. But I got up there not, not really knowing what to say. I had just started refereeing. And I think I put on a referee jersey and I said, guys, you don't know much about me. I don't know much about you. Um, I I don't know what I can contribute, but what I can promise you is being impartial, is being someone that, uh, you know, has integrity like referees do and just kind of went with that speech. And it was actually you who told Shelly that, hey, I don't care who else you pick, but I want that guy on our team, right? <laughs> That's such a trip because it is all coming back to me now. <laughs> I, I could see you. I could see you in the stripes, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I always, I mean, I mean, I'm a sports junkie, but especially at that time, I mean, there wasn't a, there was not a, a night out to dinner where um, Shelly and I went where I, I couldn't, you know, had to find a TV to make sure while we're sitting there, the game's nearby and I could keep an eye on the score. So, you know, you spoke to me right away there. We, I, I had to make sure you were in. Oh, I could not have thanked you more because I, I was worried about who I was going to get paired up with. And I was like, you know, I didn't really think it'd be a sports connection, but I said, well, let me just kind of explain who I am. And it worked out. I was like, man, okay, good. If we're going to be doing all this work together, he's like, well, it's going to be around a bunch of girls and, and then me and Aaron talking sports on the side. So I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> right. Me too, man. Me too. <laughs> we had the group projects. We worked together. We had, uh, I thought we excelled well. Uh, we, we did well. And it's Absolutely. funny the things you remember, man. Like we, we got through the class and man, I was glad I was with you guys uh, because some of those other groups, it was like, Ooh, that's an interesting group of people. But I remember I was the very end of our senior career. And I remember going into Linda Hamilton, the professor, going into her office and she had all these champagne glasses out on the table. And she was basically like, "Uh, guys, you guys did it. Congratulations. You passed the class. You guys are all going to graduate. We're going to have a toast. I think it was Martinelli's apple cider or something. And she she said, pick your glass, pick your glass. We all poured. We all kind of had a little toast, whatever corny, but she said, that's your glass to keep. I still have mine. I don't know if you guys have yours. We've had a couple moves. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, bounced, we bounced around a little bit. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I, uh, and, and that probably got lost in, yeah. in one of those moves. So yeah, sure. no, I don't have anymore, but I do remember, uh, yeah, I do remember a uh, little Hamilton and, and our, uh, you know, capstone and our capstone project and uh, me being, <sighs> Super bummed that we finished second, even though that was really, uh, you know, a high standard, uh, you know, because there were uh, multiple groups that presented, uh, you know, but it was, yeah, it was a great experience and, and learned a lot. 
Oh man, absolutely. I was always going with the sports angle. I think my only contribution to our final project, our final presentation, I said, it was kind of revolving around baseball and everything. And I said, guys, what if we have like a break halfway in and call it the seventh inning stretch and pass out some peanuts and Cracker Jack? And they're like, oh, that's really cool. I'm like, no, it's corny, but whatever, let's do it. (laughs) Anyway, enough of college, Aaron. I mean, it was a short time, only a few months, but I remember graduating with you guys, literally um, that day, one of the hottest days of the year. And, you know, being with you and Shelly and and walking and all my pictures and everything still, I'm with you guys. And it's just a special time, special memory that I'll never forget is graduating with you guys. Right. Hey, I mean, speaking of sports, right around that time, uh, you know, another special memory. You you, uh, picked up playoff tickets and me and my dad met you there uh, Mm -hmm. at at Dodger Stadium. It's the first time I've ever watched – the Dodgers, you know, being a lifelong Dodger fan, 88, I was five years old. So yeah, of course you've seen the videos of Gibson and everything, but never consciously remembering the Dodgers ever winning a playoff series. And we were there when they clinched against the Cubbies after the Cubs had a hundred plus win season, an incredible year. And and we were there for that, for call up there celebrating. It was, it was a, a great right. memory right around that time. You're right. Yeah, it was short. It's probably, let's see, it was summer. So it was probably that upcoming fall. But yeah, that was a great, swept the Cubs. Yeah, you and your dad, and seeing the look on you and your dad's face as it was happening, I knew it was special for you, like being at a Dodger playoff baseball game and advancing. I was like, man, this is cool that I got to share this with Aaron and his dad, because Absolutely. those are memories you can't can't take back, can't, can't nope. get away from. Unbelievable. Nope. Yeah, well, man. Well, Aaron, you're, before we kind of continue on and kind of what you got into, you you are a big sports fan. We mentioned you're wearing your Dodgers hat now. Big baseball fan. Uh, for for total for those out there know to know we we are recording this on a Friday. It's opening day for most major league baseball teams. Uh, your Dodgers played last night. Uh, kind of weird, right? Opening the season not only in July but in an empty stadium. What are your thoughts on major league baseball in this 60 game shortened season? I'm just happy it's back. You know, I mean, I had plenty of thoughts. I, I was really bummed that it took this long to get things going, um, you know, because I felt like as far as baseball goes, um, you know, it, a lot had to do with the uh, negotiations as opposed to all the safety. Um, so that was a bummer. Um, but, you know, I'm just happy it's back. Kike was amazing last night, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I'm just so excited. Uh, signed Mookie Betts for a long term. Uh, just really excited for the Dodgers to hopefully finally get over that hump and and win a couple over the next uh, <laughs> next you know uh, five six years or so. What well, what a crazy time it's been for Dodger fans uh, the past few years. You, you get to the World Series finally after being close all those years in the NLCS. Get to the World Series. Get to Game Seven. Uh, lose to the Astros. That's a whole nother story. Uh, <laughs> the Red Sox. You know they were the better team. I can honestly say that year. Oh yeah. And yeah. then, and then losing to the eventual champions, the Washington Nationals last year. I mean, three straight years of losing to the best team in baseball, right? I mean, right. frustrations around. Oh, it's been you know for a while. I mean, you, you you like you said, even before we made it to the World Series, the years where we were right there knocking on it, and the Phillies or the Cardinals, oh. or, you know, just so many uh, bad beats and and uh, uh, you know, and, and hey, look at, I'm not complaining. Winning no. the NL West year after year and being in the hunt like that and getting to watch them late into October, it's been it's been great, um, you know. But I'm just ready to finally uh, 
yeah. <laughs> and then that's just it. Be in the mix, be in the hunt, really. Right. I mean, all these years that are just like, you know, they're just not in the mix. It's like, dude, this is the LA Dodgers. How are you not right. in the playoffs all the time? So I think they'll get over the hump eventually. Maybe this year, who knows? Personally, I think with the 60 game season, the 16 team playoff now, that wow. it's open for anyone. It's Absolutely. anyone's World Series. I really mean that. Absolutely. I mean, so they like it. We shall see. It's going to be fun. Uh, baseball every night has new meaning, right? Just like, oh man, you know, losing streaks, winning streaks matter a lot more now with the shortened season. Uh, well, great stuff there, Aaron. So after college, uh, you went, uh, I don't know what you were planning to do with your major, like most of us. Uh, you know, what, what was the ultimate direction you went that you got involved in, in teaching and coaching basketball after college? Yeah, you know, uh, after college, I was, uh, you know, throughout throughout college, I, I've, I've been working since I was 15 in the restaurant industry. And so, um, you know, something I am very proud of, I'm first generation uh, college student. So I paid my way through, um, you know, working, serving jobs, and then eventually bartending. Um, and I love the service industry. It, uh, it, you know, gave me so many uh, great memories, great years. And that's actually where Shelly and I met um, and then ended up you know, that we had the same major and we're at Cal State Fullerton. So it all came together, but uh, just, uh, you know, was working there and, and really made great money. Um, so after college, I was, you know, I was bartending and, and I'll be honest, I wasn't that motivated to take the degree right away and go get the career going. I was really yeah. loving, uh, you know, the life of, of maybe working three, four days a week, having the flexibility to schedule and, you know, just making great money. Uh, but eventually, you know, uh, and, and uh, my better half, thankfully, is, is the one who always makes me, uh, you know, pushes me out of my comfort zone. Uh, I needed to, you know, get the big boy job. Um, I actually moved into management uh, originally, uh, just, just, you know, with my comfort of, of the restaurant industry. I actually uh, got a management job at Saddle Ranch out in West Hollywood and was going to open uh, the one out here in Orange County. Uh, as a as an uh, assistant general manager, um, so I was working out there for about a year, and uh, it was brutal. I mean, look at I, I love the restaurant industry and and, uh, and all, but I mean, you're working you know sixty hour weeks, um, you know, uh, and and Shelly around that time decided to go back to school, uh, and she wanted to. She decided I'm gonna I'm gonna be a counselor, so she went and got a got into a credential program. Um, and so I, you know, on, on one of my drives to Saddle Ranch one day, it was wild. I was driving, uh, it would take about two and two and a half hours because sitting in traffic to West Hollywood was nuts. And then I worked an 11 and a half hour shift, maybe 12, 13 hours. It was, it was insane. Um, but I grinded it out. I did what I did. And one of those drives, I'm talking to Shelly the whole way, just kind of feeling her out, like thinking about the fact that, hey, one day we're going to have a family, we're going to have kids. She's going to have summers off. I'm going to be going to work nonstop while her and the kids are going to the beach doing that. It's like, is that the life uh, that I want? And, uh, and I talked to her about the credential program and then it just kind of clicks with me. I'm like, man, if I was teaching, I could be coaching, you know, and I've always, uh, you know, loved the game of basketball. And, and I did coach um, uh, when I lived in Santa Clarita, coached youth basketball. So I've always had a passion for that. Um, and so it just kind of clicked and I just decided on the way there. I'm like, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to do this. Keep in mind, we were about to get married. So 
I now have, I have now put in my two weeks. I have quit my job as Shelly, as, as we are getting ready to get married and, and, uh, and go, go on our honeymoon. She's marrying this unemployed dude that's going back to school. And, you know, she took, she took many, uh, you know, big, big gambles on me, but, but I think it's paid off and, and we're both uh, loving life and, and, you know, loving that we can come home and talk about our days and, and, you know, are uh, fit to the same schedule and, and uh, give back the way that, that we uh, give back and feel good about the jobs that we do. Great stuff. I mean, did, did you know, well, you, you wanted to coach and, and you knew that kind of being involved in a school, whether it be a teacher or some other form, that that was going to uh, kind of pave the way for you to do something that you truly love, which is basketball. Although, you know, being involved in education is uh, is pretty good deal in itself as well. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, basketball, as I said, was the motivator and it's been so rewarding. Um, so rewarding. So many great relationships uh, built with players, parents, um, you know, coaches, but teaching, uh, you know, that was, that, that was something that just, uh, I wasn't expecting to get as much out of it. I know it sounds wild, but you know, it wasn't my main motivation. And I filled so many different roles because I've been a coach and hired on as a coach that uh, a lot of the, the two schools I've been at kind of just plugged me in. And it's been so rewarding because I've worked with so many different populations, whether it's special education, um, at risk um, youth, you know, whether it's, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, behavior or grades. Um, I've also been the AP coordinator. So I've worked with, you know, uh, you know, the, the kids that are really uh, high academically. I was the early college coordinator. So uh, avid. Um, and, and it's just been, it's been so rewarding uh, to the point where, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not making any announcements or anything like that, but I could see myself not coaching for the next, you know, 20 years. I could see myself um, stepping away and just, uh, you know, finding uh, all the value in, in, in the classroom that, that I find uh, every day. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, that's crazy to hear. That's great stuff, man. I just couldn't be more happy for you that you found something that is so, uh, that just fits you. Fits, uh, you know, obviously for you and Shelly having uh, similar schedules and this and that. Uh, but, uh, but obviously tell me about, tell me about basketball. Did, did you, did you work as an assistant coach somewhere else before first getting the head coaching job? You're at La Habra high school now, but you were at Buena Park high school before that. So did you jump right in as a head coach or were you an assistant coach somewhere as well? I was uh, beyond blessed. I mean, I, I, I stepped in at the right time. I was, I was trying to get my student teaching going and I was feeling out a couple different places, went to sunny Hills, uh, um, went to another high school outside of the district. And then I, I went to Buena Park. And I met Damian Farmer, and uh, he was currently, at that time, he was the JV coach at Sonora High School. Um, and uh, I, you know, I just talked to him about he, he was going to be a master teacher for me if I did, um, you know, uh, student teach there. And, and I talked to him how I wanted to get into basketball and wanted to get into coaching. So, you know, we just had an initial meeting about a week later, not really knowing these, he, he just happened to end up getting the Buena Park job. And he said, you know, hey, um, you know, I, I, we haven't had that much time together, but would you take the sophomore job? Would you take the sophomore job? And I jumped on it, right? Um, and so once I got there, and I've told a lot of coaches this story because, you know, I think this is what helped me is I was, I just wanted to soak up as much as possible. So I would go to my sophomore practice and then I would stay for varsity. I would go for uh, 
you know, my sophomore games, and then I would stay for varsity. I would just be at everything varsity was, soak up as much from the varsity coach so that I could, um, you know, have that one voice. I know what he wants, the way he wants it. And, and so if I'm teaching it at the lower levels, it's going to be consistent through. Um, and I learned a lot from him. And by the end of summer, he's like, hey, you're going to be my head assistant coach. Um, you know, I, I, I'll find a new sophomore coach. So I just fell into the right position, um, had a great mentor. Um, we at Buena Park, Buena Park had a, a really um, rough history. They had been last in league for double digit years. Um, and, and we came in and in the first year, we took them out of last, we finished in fifth. Uh, but it was, you know, everybody could see how much more competitive we were. By the next year, uh, we made it to the third round of CIF, finished uh, third in league. And then uh, Damien got an opportunity to work as uh, a, an assistant coach at Cypress Junior College. So we kind of, he, he was, we made a deal where he would feel it out at the college level. And I'd be the interim head coach for a year, get, get that experience. And that year um, we, we went to the CIF semifinals, um, had a great run, um, you know, finished second in league, lost uh, the last game of league uh, for a league championship. Uh, won 20, I think 24 games or so. Just had a really good year. So when he came back the next year, I kind of built my resume. I, I served as an assistant one more year. And then the job opened up at Bahabra. And uh, that's in the same league, in the same district. The administrator there, Dr. Zener, uh, knew me from that from that year. And I was lucky enough to to grab that job. And we've had uh, a good, you know, really solid uh, three years. 10-0 and league championship two years ago. And and uh, are continuing to try to build over there. You've had tremendous success uh, at all your stops. I can honestly say that I've, I've followed you uh, from a distance, of course, and you know, I've always rooting for you. It's great to see the work you've done. I, I do got to ask because you see this in like college athletics a lot, some pro, but like when coaches change uh, a venue, they change a school, um, th there's complications to that. And you said this school you went to is even in the same league. So was it hard kind of leaving some of the kids that you had coached and then go and wear the opposite uniform and see them the next season? What was that dynamic like? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, that was, you know, thankfully Damien, uh, you know, he, he's the one who called me when the La Habra job opened up. So, I mean, uh, you know, it just speaks to uh, how selfless he was uh, to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, you're my right-hand man, but uh, I know you want a head coaching job. Here it is. So I had all the support from him. Uh, players, you know, it, it was tough to leave them, uh, but but they understood. You know, I mean, when you're the head coach the year before and you have the success that I, uh, you know, was lucky enough to have, um, it, they know that, you know, I'm hungry for, for that head job again. Uh, admin, I mean, everybody was supportive, but it was, you know, you did have that kind of, tough feeling like of almost betrayal or, you yeah. know, you're, you're leaving them. And, and, uh, but I, I know I was, I knew I was leaving them in great hands with Damien and that, that we had built something special there. And, uh, you know, and so, um, uh, luckily I had, I had a great support system that, that, uh, you know, blessed me, uh, uh, to, you know, step aside and, and they, they supported it. Well, I know La Habra High School is, is very good in athletics. They have a great history. Uh, the football, they've had tremendous success. Uh, I had know a few uh, connections there from some of my officiating Absolutely. and everything. But uh, a very good school, very good program. 
uh, it's got to be just so rewarding to be in an environment where you know that athletics, I don't want to say it's a priority like a negative in a negative way, but it is. Athletics is embraced, I would say, at La Habra High School, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's so many great programs. Um, and, you know, in an open enrollment district like Fullerton, um, it's important that you can, you know, highlight all the great things you have to offer on campus. Um, and and that's what we, you know, really are proud to do at La Havre. I mean, uh, academics, you know, we have an MBA program, uh, a forensics program, uh, heritage is our honors, you know, uh, agriculture. So we have the, all these uh, programs academically that we're really proud of, but our sports, yeah, across the board. I mean, you have, you know, girls softball, soccer, just one state, uh, football, uh, you know, speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. Baseball, I mean, across the board, it's, it's really a, a proud uh, campus when it comes to athletics. And so, yeah, we can, we can offer that to those families that are interested and are shopping around that Fullerton district. Well, I'm going to bring up something here that, uh, I don't I don't know what direction it's going to go quite honestly. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy talking to coaches. I enjoy, uh, hearing their thoughts on officials and referees. And you know what, uh, marriages have disagreements and those are people that like each other, you know, love each other. So what can you tell me about the coach referee relationship? There's obviously disagreements out there, but as a coach, kind of what is your approach we'll say in dealing with officials? Because as you are well aware, they come in many different personalities, many different skill levels, just like coaches, just like players. So what can you speak of as far as officiating goes? Oh, I mean, the first thing I remind myself all the time and I talk to my players about it, um, I couldn't do it. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, one of my weak, one of my weakest and you know, you're always working on whatever craft you're doing. One of my, one of the things I, I constantly am, am, am something that that's hard for me is, is real in game adjustments. You know, the game moves so fast. Um, you know, I do a lot of prep and, and I, I take a lot of pride in, in all our preparation, but in game, I mean, it, it's tough. So think about what you guys are doing. Bang, bang plays. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, seeing that and, and making a, a, a confident decision. So first and foremost, I, I just remind myself how hard that job is. Um, you know, I've built some really great relationships. A lot of those relationships are built in the off season, you know, spring league and, and, and summer and, and fall league um, where we have a little, you know, I, I try to, I always remember, remind my parents and my, my players, you know, this is a time where, cause I, I can get very intense during games during the, those times. It, it's a time where, Hey, we're getting better. You know, let's yes. not get caught up in, in officiating. So it's a time where we can have a little less tension and have those conversations. I mean, I've built great pre- friendships of and uh, John Reed, Mo or Scott Williams, Kenny Colley. I mean, great, great officials and great people. Um, so it's a, it, it really is nice to see them throughout the year. Um, you know, when you get to the season, uh, the one thing as a coach that I'm looking for is just a conversation. You know, I mean, we're going to disagree. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are, it, it, it's, it's, you know, we're going to see things differently. All I want to know is what are you seeing? You know, what, what, mm-hmm. what do we see differently? I want to, you know, I, I want to be heard sometimes. And I, obviously I understand there's a time and a place and how to do it. Um, and so, you know, that those are the reasons that I usually have great relations because I understand, 
you know, how hard it is and, and when we're in the middle of the game and we disagree, as long as we're having a conversation, we're both being able to be heard so that I can maybe make, help my players adjust to what, uh, you know, the, the referee is seeing. Um, and, and so maybe he or she can adjust to what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's a mutual respect there that goes a long way. Very much so. And, you know, you talk about spring leagues and summer leagues and, uh, you know, I'll even go as far as like JV or freshman basketball. And, and you know, those are times where uh, just like you're trying out new things, officials, I mean, guys who work freshman basketball are getting uh, to, to work a little bit of spring league varsity basketball. It's better to, to get that experience then than, than when league comes. So there needs to be a level of patience in working with people, just like you're working out new kids. And so one thing that troubles me, and it sounds like you have a great control of uh, a relationship with your parents and fans and everything is that, you know, people need to understand that at lower levels, varsity may be a different standard, but the lower levels, that you need to understand that these are people that are just starting. Right. They, they might be 40, 50 years old, but they're just starting. And it's a right. JV freshman basketball game. I know it's the, it's the NBA finals to somebody out there, but you know, you got to understand, take that step back and be like, Hey, this is JV. This is freshman for a reason. Everyone's learning, right? Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's really concerning uh, to see these things. Cause you're, you're spot on. I mean, I, you know, obviously while I'm coaching throughout the varsity year, I, I'm not able to be at all the lower level stuff, but when I'm there, you see it all the time from, from parents, it's, it's brutal. And it's just like, <laughs> it blows my mind. Cause I, cause you know, I'm like, you get out there. I yeah. mean, it's, it's so tough. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you just wish they would understand, but I, uh, we could go on for, for a long time with, with parents. I'm luckily blessed with yeah. uh, some great ones. And, you know, the, there are those outbursts from time to time, but, but uh, we have, you know, we have conversations and we, you know, get it under control. Yeah. Oh no. And, and you have, you're in a green environment. I've seen it the other way. I've seen coaches come at me and they're, they want to bark at me or something and in other sports too, because all oh, my fans are worked up and, you know, I'm like, well, you know, your same fans think you can't do your job. You know, they're critical of you all the time. You really, you listen to what they say. Like, so anyway, we can no. talk about that a bunch. I mean, it's, it's fun to, it's fun stuff. And you, you're great. One of the things you said is like the mutual respect and the professionalism that is so important in all levels of sport, but high school, especially, um, you know, you are, you are an intense guy. You're prepared. You spend all week on game plans. And then all of a sudden there's a few calls that don't go your way. And it's like, I think one thing, in the year 2020 that not just in athletics, but every, everybody, it seems like struggles with adversity. It's like adversity is part of life. There's bad calls. There's things that go against your game plan. Like we got to adjust to adversity. And I think, unfortunately, I, I would say it's starting, you know, in the younger, younger kids and high school kids, kids aren't doing as well with adversity. So what can you tell me about what you, what you preach to your kids on a daily basis about that? When it comes to adversity, I mean, we talk about it a lot, actually. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons I love coaching because um, beyond the game of basketball, you know, it provides an opportunity for these kids to learn uh, some important life skills. And so we give adversity, uh, you know, our practices, uh, we try to make them harder than the games. You know, I, I really try to get on them in practice more so than the games um, so that they're, they're battle tested. Um, and you know, I, and I tell them all the time, I mean, this is, you know, if you can't handle this, what, what, wait, till, 
you know, wait till you have bills to pay, wait till, you know, uh, uh, you know, God forbid you lose a job and, and you're providing for your family and, you know, all the tough things that life can bring. Um, you know, if we can learn that through basketball, oh man, what a blessing. So, um, you know, so we, we really try to make our practices tough and, and, you know, and, and face them with some challenges so that they're, uh, you know, better prepared for, for what they'll see in the games, but more importantly in life. Oh, outstanding stuff. Uh, that's very well said. And I, I want to talk about um, kids these days. And we never want to be the old men in the coffee shop talking about, well, man, kids are these kids these days and our days and this and that. But I can honestly say that there is a change. There is a difference now with kids. You can chalk it up to all the different distractions, all the social media, the technology, uh, the things that are accessible to them. I, I don't know. I don't think kids dating, you know, going back to the adversity thing, I don't think kids have, some have, but not all, have gone through some adversities before. It seems like everything is there for them. So what can you tell me, Aaron, as a coach and a teacher in the year 2020, uh, or you want to say 2019, because not much of that's happened in 2020, but 2019, whatever. In modern day, what is it like working with kids high school age today in teaching and coaching are kids different these days uh yeah absolutely i mean (laughs) absolutely i mean when it comes to coaching you know i i've been again i've been i've been really really blessed i've had such such great kids i mean i'm not that this good of a coach you know i mean the record (laughs) the record uh is isn't because i'm some mastermind here i've had some talented really good kids um but I will say the difference that I see, um, you know, is it, it's rare to find those just ultra competitive, uh, you know, dogs. Like I remember playing pickup ball with my friends and, and you would, you just did not want to lose. You would refuse to lose. And, uh, you know, when I try to get things light in the spring and, and have them play pickup ball, it just seems like they're just kind of going through the motions they're not worried if they win or lose and it just drives me crazy so then i then i have to you know tighten things up and uh you know change things so so that's uh that's one area that i that i've noticed that you know i've had some dogs i've had some dudes that are just uh really really competitive but it's just not every day that you see that and then the other part as far as class i mean you just have to yeah i mean you, you wouldn't think that I'm good at this with my long-winded answers throughout this interview, but you have to be short and, and sweet and really grab their attention because of all the distraction, because of the screen time, because, you know, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of checking my phone every two seconds at the different apps that I'm, you know, addicted to just opening over and over throughout the day. So, you know, I, I, I can only imagine that the kids are the same. I think we've all changed with you know, technology and the things that have uh, been put in front of our faces. So, um, you know, it, it definitely the attention span is, uh, is, is uh, much more limited than what, than what I think, uh, you know, teachers might have seen from our, uh, our days as students. Uh, yeah, I, I think it, it goes without saying. I mean, it's just, you know, more distractions and other options and, and kind of tying this together with, with the, this next question for you is that, you know, we're in this age in athletics where the whole multi-sport athlete in high school, like it's almost like everyone wants you to specialize on one sport. You coach one sport, you coach basketball, but what are your thoughts on 
maybe pros and cons even of kids playing multiple sports while in high school. Uh, or maybe, you know, you'd rather guys are, uh, are shooting jumpers in the, in the summer rather than getting ready for football. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so tough because I, I am a big uh, supporter of multi-sport athletes. I mean, you know, it, it becomes a, a job and not fun after a while when you're just doing the same sport year round and training and, and you see too I, I think that's part of the reason that we see kids that aren't don't have that same fire um, <laughs> because they're burnt out. Um, they might be really skilled and really good because they play year round, but they don't have that same love for the game um, because it's just been uh, dragged out of them. Um, but you know, it, it's almost this, uh, it, it's just been, Hey, you got to keep up with the Joneses. And, and, and so now things are year round. Whereas when we were in high school, I mean, the <laughs> basketball season ended, I didn't see my coach until summer ball, you know, yeah. and fall ball fall. We were just fall. We didn't play games. We were just conditioning and getting ready for season. So, um, now it's, you know, year round, it's, you're playing games year round. Um, but I still think that, you know, uh, you can still do both. I have plenty of, uh, you know, football, basketball guys. I mean, when I was at Buena Park, two of my best players were football guys that are, you know, one's playing D1 at Virginia right now. He was my big man in the middle, and we went on that uh, uh, CIF uh, semifinal run, Ryan Nelson, uh, you know, and, and it didn't hurt him at all on the football field to come play basketball. In fact, I think it helped him because it helped his footwork. It helped his, you know, uh, you know just different muscles uh, developing so that he could be that lineman that pulls and, and, and gets out and gets downfield to block, um, you know, so I think it really helped. And Cedric Daschle, who was a, a MVP and a captain for us, uh, who played DN at the same time, was a, was a, a defensive MV, uh, freeway league MVP. Um, so, you know, I, I've seen them do both and still excel at, at both. Um, it's possible. And I think it's really unfortunate whenever, you know, you do have coaches who kind of pressure them to yeah. not play multi-sports. Um, that's definitely not the case for me, but I understand when, when families decide to do it because, you know, they look around, they go, Hey, you know what? Uh, if my son or daughter doesn't continue to get jumpers up, continue to play travel ball, they're not going to, you know, maybe develop to the level that they want to. My, my argument with it is that, uh, it, it does seem so monetized now with this year round training. Like it's a moneymaker for a lot of these travel teams and this and that. And I'm like, well, dude, does it really, is it really necessary? Is it really beneficial for the athletes? I, I'm not so sure. I think some of it is for sure. But uh, anyway, well, do, do you, do you hold your breath maybe when watching a, a high school football game with, with your players out there that um, in every snap, are you a little worried maybe <laughs> at times that they get injured or anything? I I'm a big football fan as we, as we talked about, you know, we're, we're sports junkies here. Yeah. I'm a huge football fan. I'm out there Friday nights. I'm rooting them on. I, I honestly, you know, I, I'm, I, I'd be lying if I never had a conversation after one of my players got banged up, uh, you know, being like, oh, but, you know, the, the fortunate thing about basketball is it's such a long season, 28, you know, uh, plus games. We get 18 games before we even get into league. So, you know, if that happens, you know, you usually have some time to develop some other players while that player might be resting and getting back, you know, getting back in the groove of things. So, but for, fortunately, I've never had uh, any severe injuries, uh, and so I'll, I'll keep praying that that, yeah. 
be the case. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, you know, Aaron, I know, I know you, you uh, limited on time, but uh, if, if you got a couple more minutes, I'll, I'll have a couple more thing here before we wrap it up. But um, with what are the challenges in going forward in this next upcoming season? Because here we are, it's the month of July. It's already been announced that the fall sports for CIF, which is the governing body of California uh, high school sports out here, they have pushed fall sports to late December, January-ish. And, you know, that goes right in line with basketball season. So has, is, what, if, what is kind of your understanding? Is basketball season getting pushed back at all? Is it going to go the same exact time as football? What, what are your thoughts and what are some of the challenges moving forward? Well, we're actually getting – we got pushed back. Uh, the first day uh, will be March 12th. So okay. we're deep into spring. So I think CIF did a really good job here. Um, you know, there, there are going to be some athletes that are impacted, like a, a baseball, basketball kid. Um, that's going to go on during the same season, same months. Um, so – but, you know, it, it doesn't mean they can't play both. It's just they're going to have to make it work. And yeah. coaches are going to be flexible. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have any, uh, varsity guys that are a, a baseball guy right now. So, um, it's not something that's going to impact us this year. Um, so, you know, I think they did a good job. It, it, we're, uh, you know, looking at it being so far out, we're hoping that the country can get things together and we're going to yeah. be, you know, at a, at a place where we can actually have that season. I got some special seniors that I want to, you know, make sure that they, uh, get their season and, and it's and it's the way see i've set it up is you know we expected it to be a a short season where it was only going to be league and then cif we're, we're getting all 28 games as of right now so if that all works out that's going to be great um you know obviously we have no idea what what will happen until then right we don't mm-hmm. we don't know what will happen um we don't know when we'll be able to actually practice and get back in the gym uh volleyball boys and girls will be going before us so mm-hmm. they're so the gym time will be limited as it is. So that that's going to be a challenge. You know, uh, if we want to try some new systems offensively, defensively, trying to work on that while already being so far behind on skill development, <laughs> definitely going to be a challenge. Um, so, you know, it's, it, you're, we're going to have to get creative and find ways. And hopefully the boys, it, you know, one thing that we've done over this time is, uh, you know, to make sure that they're a little more comfortable with distance learning. Um, we've, we've uh, turned that into basketball as well. So, uh, you know, I've had five weeks of, of uh, different ball handling drills, shooting drills, strength and conditioning, uh, so that they're checking in, uh, posting videos, um, staying on a schedule, staying in shape, working on their skill set. So um, hopefully our boys continue to do that um, so that they're ready to go when, when it's time. Oh uh, yeah. It's, it's, if you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. Right. I mean, (laughs) keep on, uh, keep on keeping on type of thing. Well, so yeah, that's my understanding is, and they may have flipped the terminology, but basically fall sports are going to be played during the winter time. And so the winter sports will then be played during spring with traditional spring sports, right? Yeah. They kind of meshed it. So they kept Mm -hmm. some winter, some winter sports in the winter, some winter sports to the spring so that there would just be a kind of an even two seasons instead of three seasons. And I think they did a good job with it. So, uh-huh. you know, volleyball, because um, boys volleyball uh, would usually be in the spring. It's now in the winter. So that way we wouldn't be having three different, you know, or four different with wrestling sports <laughs> in the gym. Um, now you have volleyball that will be girls and boys all together. Um, 
and then uh, boys and girls basketball later on. So the gym time uh, will at least, at least be a little easier to navigate. Definitely. And there's a lot of challenges. And I think, uh, you know, most schools will make the most of it. And I was always in favor of delaying versus canceling. And a lot of, there's been a lot of cancellations here uh, in moving forward. And it's a, just a, such a weird time. And just kind of in closing here, Aaron, uh, you know, everything kind of shut down in March, maybe, maybe April-ish, whatever. But as a teacher, and, and your wife, Shelly, is involved in education as well. What have the past few months been like? Uh, obviously you're not doing a whole lot of coaching, maybe some communication with them here and there, but what has it been like kind of teaching and, and this distance learning, um, you know, being involved maybe in some of the graduations, what has the entire educational side of your line of work been like these past, I don't know, three, four months or so? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been tough. One of, one of the toughest parts is, you know, finding out on a Friday uh, after school that you won't be back Monday. Um, you know, you wish you could have had a little time to prepare the kids um, so that they could, you know, be a little uh, better understanding of the expectations and checking in. Because uh, that was probably the hardest part is really tracking down some of the kids that kind of just got lost in the shuffle. Our district has done a great job being one-to-one -one devices. So they've had Chromebooks for a couple of years. So, um, you know, all my stuff was on Google Classroom already. It was oh. really all digital anyways. So smooth transition that way. Um, it was just trying to track down the kids. Um, you know, it, it was interesting. It was, it was longer days. Um, you know, maybe not, maybe not eight, you know, seven, eight hours straight in front of the computer, right? Check in, check out, check in, check out. Um, but I mean, there were nights that I'm, you know, up at nine, 10 at night emailing with students because, these, you know, some of the students don't start working until late at night. And then they're like, oh, dang, Coach R, uh, wait, I don't understand this. How do I do this? And, you know, and so, you know, you find yourself constantly on, you know, never really turning it off. Uh, whereas, you know, when you're on campus, you know, once I finish, you know, I, I'm an early riser. So I get there early to, to take care of admin stuff, emails, uh, you know, grading, stuff like that. So by the time I get to basketball practice, when I'm done with basketball practice, whether it's four or six at night, I'm not going back to the classroom. I'm going home to be with the family and it's off. Whereas with distance learning with Shelly and I, we found ourselves, you know, just on all day, right? Answering emails at, at you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 at night, six in the morning, whatever it was, um, because you're just home. So um, it's a different, you know, it, it's a total different setting. This spring, or I'm sorry, this fall will be interesting because, you know, I think there, there unfortunately might, might, I don't know, we'll see, but there might be an overreaction to how we were in survival mode in spring. Um, and so they might ask kids and teachers to be to a bell schedule and, and to be live on Zoom throughout the day. I think it's a mistake personally. Um, I think kids are going to suffer from that because let's be honest, I mean, working from home, Sure, you could tell adults to be on this schedule and stick to it and wake up and do that. Yes. We'll do that. But you're asking teenagers to do that. Um, and in some and in many cases without parents at home to make them do that. Um, you know, they're they're they might not have the discipline to wake up at, you know, I, I mean there's plenty of our kids that are that are staying up till three, four in the morning or sleeping till twelve, one, two in the afternoon. Um, and so if we're asking them to do that, 
I, I think we're going to have a, 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 you know, a rude awakening as to how many kids are unfortunately not going to meet that standard and uh, might get lost in the shuffle. And I, I just, the whole idea of distance learning, it was, it's been around before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And the idea of is flexible learning. And so, you know, it, it's got to, you got to be flexible to what their schedule allows. There might be parents out there that would rather their kids working in the evening when they can keep an eye on them and they could say, Hey, sit down at the table. I want you working from six to nine on your, on your homework here. You know, there's kids at home that are having to take care of their little brothers and little sisters. I don't think it's the right, uh, you know, choice. If, if that's what, that's what uh, they're going to do going forward. I hope that's not the case, but it sounds like there's a chance of that. As far as having a structured t- uh, window that kids have to be in, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, like, uh, like, hey, this is period one, you need to be logged on, teacher needs to be logged on, students need to be logged on from 8 to yeah. 8.55, and then period two starts at nine. And So wanting kids to be on and teachers to be on throughout that scheduled day, I think it's important that kids get on a schedule. Yes. Uh, I don't want them to, but I also, you know, if I'm, I'm weighing pros and cons, I don't want them to, you know, those kids to fall behind that have different, you know, everybody's got a different uh, life at home. And so, Very much uh, so. Yeah. you know, I would hate for some kids to pile up absences or poor grades because of uh, some unrealistic uh, expectations. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. It's an interesting uh, outlook from someone who's in the middle of everything and, and you and uh, Shelly uh, doing great things, man, in education. And where, where is she, at? is she teaching or is a counselor? She's a counselor. Okay. Um, so she's, she's at Los Alamitos high school. Okay. Uh, and she has, uh, you know, five, 600, maybe 700 kids on her caseload. Um, you know, she's got her hands full over there. Uh, does a great job. Um, you know, count, I, I, I have a whole, uh, you know, new outlook and respect for counselors, obviously having a wife that, that is one, but also being an AP coordinator and early uh-huh. college coordinator, working with the counseling department, all that they do. Um, they got, they got plenty on their plate throughout the year. Oh man, I am so uh, well. I am proud of you guys. You guys, I'm very proud of you. Uh, you guys are friends, and we were colleagues in college. And it's just so cool to see not only you two get married and have a great life together, but to do wonderful things that you're doing. Uh, a big congratulations. I know you already had, uh, you know, your your daughter Macy, but uh, more recently, addition to the family, uh, James, right? Your first right. son, born in May. That's right. Yeah, oh. yeah, maybe it's Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. Ooh, ooh. That's a, I don't know if that's a good or a bad omen. What do you think? <laughs> taco truck, taco trucks for the birthday. You know? Oh, man. I know the parents will be happy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Dude, that's great stuff. Well, I'm sure you got to get back to, uh, to the kids, James and Macy, and of yes. course your wife, Shelly. Please give her my best. It's so great to talk to you. I know we text here and there, but we haven't chatted in a long time. Um, I think I'm hopeful here. <laughs> the second half of 2020 will definitely be better than the first. And I think, uh, you know, all things considered, man, I think, I think your Dodgers are going to have a big year. And I, and I think, you know, in 2021, I, I anticipate that the Highlanders of La Habra High School are going to be having some more success as well. Oh, my man. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. It was great talking to you. And let's, let's do it again, man. It's, it was really good to see you. And uh, congrats on all your success. I've been on Spotify. Uh, as I said earlier, it's nice to see that one of us are, uh, you know, doing something with that communications degree. Uh, <laughs> broad- broadcasting pro over here. I'm loving it, man. <laughs> great work. Not sure about the pro part, but we're working on it day by day, getting better, just getting reps, my friend. So, hey, hey our next Zoom call, let's, uh, let's not, not – 
doesn't have to be about business. Let's just, uh, I don't know, Zoom happy hour or something here in the near future. I like it. I like it. Let's do it. <laughs> Thanks again, Aaron. Great talk to you, man. Take care, buddy. Thanks again, Aaron Reichenberg. Just a blast catching up with you, man. I really look forward to chatting with you very soon. I am so happy for you and Shelly and the two kids. I mean, a beautiful family. Uh, You guys were great friends back in 2008 when we were graduating. I couldn't have done it without you guys. I really mean that. I'm very happy for both of you and the great things you guys are doing uh, with the students, the athletes, just helping out, uh, being the great uh, people that you guys both are. Uh, Aaron and Shelly, I look forward to seeing you very soon, whether it's in a Zoom call or maybe uh, in person someday soon, we'll see. But all the best in moving forward. And uh, yes, can't wait to catch up with both of you very, very soon. Well, guys, that will wrap up our Friday episode of Get Home Safe. We've had a great week of shows. Really happy with how a lot of the interviews and episodes came out. It was a lot of fun. We are going to look forward to bringing you more shows tomorrow on Monday morning. We're going to take a few days off as we always do over the weekend. And then we'll be back with more episodes, more interviews on Monday morning through Friday morning. Looking forward to piecing that all together. Anyone interested in coming on the program, be sure to reach out to me, uh, whether it be through our Twitter handle, uh, which is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. You can also leave us a voice message if you go to the Anchor app or the Anchor website, anchor.fm. Look up our podcast, Get Home Safe Podcast. Uh, You can look for the green button that says messages. You can leave a voice message if you want to uh, leave a little segment, a little clip. I can play that clip on the air in one of our episodes and I can answer your questions or give a response to your suggestion. Whatever the case may be, we are looking for ways uh, for the fans, the listeners to contribute to Uh, chime in to be heard we want to to hear from you just like you hear from us monday through friday here on the get home safe podcast either way however it works for you however you want to reach out to us we look forward to hearing from you Uh, if it's just to say hello tell me i'm wrong or encourage some content whatever the case is we look forward to hearing from you very very soon guys that will wrap up our show thank you so much for joining with us for bearing with us all week i can't believe we'll be in uh, excuse me we'll be in august here when we start up our shows on monday there's a lot of sports going on there's a lot of discussion for sure we will get to all of it next week can't wait for all that i want everyone to have a safe weekend out there i know some things are starting to open up some people are starting to to get a little cabin fever maybe uh you know itching to get out whatever the case may be guys but do be safe out there be responsible uh and also you know what let's all laugh a little bit more what do you think i think we should uh we can all share a little laughter maybe smile a little bit more i know i can it would definitely be uh, something that would help me in my uh, mindset and going forward. So I'm going to look for some laughter this weekend. I'm also going to look for uh, you know, a little relaxation, maybe some fighting, some boxing. You know how much I love that stuff. So we'll see what happens, guys. But everyone have a wonderful weekend. And guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. <laughs>